Okay, so we've been doing a series on the God questions, and today I'm trying to bring it to a close. Let's pray. Father, speak through your servant, bless through your servant, transform lives through your servant. Let the entrance of your word give us light and give understanding to the simple. Send a word to, a word to someone here today, a word that will accomplish a certain purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we, so far, we've done, I think, five of the God questions. Last week, I had to rush through um, three of them because of a lightning situation. Today, I'm going to try to be snappy, the last, I think, the last five. So, let's start our journey. Question number six. I think we're in question number six. Yeah, question number six, isn't it? Yeah. Question number six. What is your name? What is your name? What is your name? So this was an angel of the Lord in the Old Testament is Jesus who had an encounter with Jacob. And I want to read from Genesis 32 from the verse 24 to the verse 28. Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Now, this scripture is very important for our three days fasting and prayer we are going to have. It is called Arise and Build. It is the highest form of insanity to see that everything around you is crumbling. Your marriage is crumbling. Your finances are crumbling. Your career is crumbling. And yet, you don't arise to build. We are arising to build. Three days of fasting and prayer. Also understand that everybody here represents a family. And the reason why you are born again is so that salvation will come to your house. Any wall around your family that is broken, for Satan to enter, to cause evil men to rise in your family, it is time to rebuild the walls. Kick out evil men and rebuild divine protection for your family. Three days fasting and prayer from Wednesday night, Tuesday, Wednesday night, Thursday night, and Friday night. Two hours every night. We meet at six. We close at eight. By six, prayer has started. By seven, I'm already in the pulpit. Maybe probably 6.30, I should be in the pulpit. I share with you and lead you in prayer. You're going to be blessed. And I'll move into a prophetic realm and I'll allow God to speak through me so that your life will be blessed. So don't miss it. But this was very important. Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. So this week, be alone. Cut some things off. Be alone and wrestle with God. When he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the sockets of his thigh so that the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated whilst he wrestled with him. This was serious. Some of you tomorrow will say, I have ulcer, I can't fast. <laughs> From Wednesday, and my head is aching, I can't come to the prayer meeting. Jacob was wrestling with this angel. The angel felt, no, this, is, this guy is too strong. Let me just injure him. He will leave me. So he caused his socket to dislocate. And in the midst of that pain and dislocation, he still wrestled. From the belly of the whale, Jonah prayed. I, I don't know 
where you find yourself that you can pray. Now look, look, look. Then he said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I will not let you go unless you bless me. You see, blessing has a price. If you pay that price, you get it. I will not let you go until you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? What is your name? Why am I asking for blessing and you are asking me my name? What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Now, Jacob means a supplanter, a deceiver. So what is your name? He said, my name is a supplanter. My name is a deceiver. He said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Israel means to triumph with God. To triumph with God. But what is in a name? And why is God so much interested in dealing with people and mentioning their names? And so much when God wants to deal with a man, He's interested in that man's name. So He called Abraham, and within the first few sentences to Abraham, He said, I will make your name great. I don't know what is. In the name that God. And then he changes his name to Abraham. And his wife's name to Sarah from Sarai. So, so why is God so much interested in names? Because God knows two things about names. That whoever names you have dominion over you. And that was why when God gave man dominion over everything... God did not name the things he created. He gave man the right to name the things he created. So whoever names you has dominion over you. I've taught you here before. If, if, if I die today, if I die today, my body does not belong to mommy. It belongs to my family. My father's family. Those who gave me a name. They can decide and tell mommy, that you are not burying Titi Ofer in a crowd. Bring him to the village. They can decide that. Don't lay him in his nice house. Bring him to the broken down village house. Since he did not help us to repair. Let him come and lie there. Let people see his village house. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm talking about? So those who name you. Have so much dominion over you. That they have dominion over your dead body. You're, listen, some of you ladies here, you don't even know your father. You, your father didn't take care of you. But if you decide to marry, and you are marrying from a responsible home, the other family members you are going to marry from would demand they want to see your father. If your father is alive, they would like to see your father. I'm not going to give my Mr. Wai marriage to an uncle or to a friend. <laughs> I, I need to see the father of the man who wants to marry Mami Sewa. So your father may be a drunkard, may not have taken care of you. If it comes to your marriage, even the church will demand, if he's still alive, that your father must show up. You must, you must get your blessing from your father. You may have to go and look for him from that village 
from under the palm wine tree and, and, and polish him and bring him and come and shoot. That is how powerful those who name you have authority over. Are you here? So anytime God is going to deal with you, God wants to now take dominion and have dominion over your life. So he decides to do something about your name. But almost every great man in the Bible, God says something about his name. Even for David, he said to David, I will add your name to the names of the great peoples of the earth. What that meant was that God said, I'm transferring your name from your father's house into a list that I have called the names of the great peoples of the earth. Now, do you even know that Jesus was named twice? The first time an angel of the Lord appeared to Mary and said, you will be with a child and you will call his name Jesus. He didn't say God will call. He said, you will call his name Jesus. And the Jesus that Mary called didn't have power. They couldn't raise the dead in that name. In that name. But Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, from verse 9, going, I want to show you something. I want to show you something. Pastor, can you read it louder? Amen. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 to 11. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. So therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. And gave him the name that is above every and name. And gave him the name that is above every name. So, that, so, after the death and the resurrection of Christ, now God had to rename him and give him a name that is above every name. Now here. That at the mention of Jesus. That at the mention of Jesus. Every, so, <laughs> so, you see, Mary named him Jesus. But now the Bible said God gave him a name. God took the same name and placed power, dignity, Anna, into that name. Into that name. Into that name. Uh-huh. Every knee should bow. That the mention of that name, every knee should bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What? <laughs> Why do I sense in my spirit right now that God is about to give you a name. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I said God is about to give you a name. It might not necessarily be a change of name, but it might be like the same, that of Jesus. Your parents called you Yao, but if God calls you Yao, that same Yao changes. That same Emeka changes. That same Chinedu changes. That same Kwame changes. That same Abrebrese changes. I said, God is giving you a name. My, 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 my. How God can take the same name and give it a different meaning? It's amazing. Mary called her son Jesus. And now after the death and the resurrection, God took over and said, I'm calling you Jesus. But the Jesus God called was different from the one Mary called. May God take your name today and add a dimension to it in the name of Jesus. You see, a name also traces you to a source. My name is Titi Ofer. Once I mention my name Titi Ofer, I'm in Accra, I'm in Accra. 
Oh, somebody will say, oh, he's a crapim. He's a crapim. Then if I go to a crapim, Mampong, and I mention Titi Ofer, somebody will just say, oh, he's from this house. In my house, if I mention Titi Ofer, they'll say, oh, this is also for first son. So you see, my name traces me to a source. Your name also traces you to a source. If that source is not good, God changes it. I said, there are two ways in which God changes names. He will either give you the same name again, but this time with a different dimension of power. Or change it into a new name. Whatever your case is, I'm the prophet of God over your life. I am the set man in your life. I am the man God has called to bring you his mind. His, his mind. And I speak to you today and I make a decree. There is a change of name for you. There is a change of name for you. Amen. Names are so powerful that in 1 Samuel chapter 25 and the verse 25, the woman, Abigail, whose husband was called Nabal, Nabal had gone to offend David. At that time, David was, um, was more or less like a a mercenary. He had a group of soldiers. He was not yet a king. And Saul was chasing him. And he lived in that distance uh, with soldiers. If, so you could hide David. and they would. So they went, to, they went to this man called Nabal for food. And Nabal had enough. Nabal didn't give him. So David decided to go and attack Nabal and take over his farms. And Nabal's wife by name Abigail, a very very wise woman, came and met David while David was coming. So when Nabal died later, David married this woman. A woman who can stand between the guns and the, and the husband. A woman who is ready to take bullets for the husband. A woman who is ready to correct the error of the husband. Look at this. First Samuel 25 verse 25. Please pay no attention, my lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. He is just like his name. He is just like his name. His name means fool. And fully goes with him. You are just like your name. You are just like your name. Sometimes the problem is not the other person. The problem is the name they gave you. That's why when God comes into your life, one of the first things he deals with, that he deals with your name. He either gives you the same name, but gives you a supernatural dimension, or changes the name into another name. Whatever your case is, I pray for you, something must happen to your name. I said something supernatural must happen to your name. Your amen will let it happen to you. You see, amen means you believe and it must manifest. So I said something supernatural is happening to your name. May God make your name great. Wherever your name is mentioned, may people salute you. I believe in my spirit that you are entering into a new realm. That you are entering into a new dimension of influence. A new dimension of influence. A new dimension of influence. God is ushering you to the corridors of power and authority. I see this in the realms of the spirit. That something is about to happen to you. Something is about to happen to you. And I speak. Let God bring a dimension to your name. From today, who, those who hate your name will start loving your name. From today, those who look down upon your name will start respecting that name. When that name is mentioned, people will rise and salute that name. If you believe, say amen.
there are some of you within the fasting and prayer, God will change the names of your companies. And then that name that you change will catapult you to the next level. I believe, I believe, I believe it. I believe it. When God gave me the name Accra Business School, I doubted that with this name, why has nobody named a school Accra Business School? So I went to the Russia General's Department to register the name. When I got there, they said, oh, the name is already taken. There's a similar name called Accra Business College. So you can't have it. I said, but God told me the name exists. They said, but we are telling you somebody has Accra Business College and you cannot have Accra Business then I sat down, I checked the name on Facebook, on um, social media. I didn't see any school. I told the guy, what does not exist on social media does not exist in your documents. So they went through their computers. The name was not there. Then they went to get, they said, oh, if it's not here, there is a very old name. It's in a folder. So they went to look for the folder. When the folder came, guess what? When the folder came, the name was registered in in, in 1973, I was five years. In 1973, I was five years. And then in 1982, they wrote a letter to the Registrar General's Department that they are no longer in operation, that their name should be expunged. So the man said, wow, Bishop, not many people have come here for the name Accra Business School. We haven't given it to them. It was only you who pushed and now we have just discovered that the name, the, uh, the people have written that we should take their name out. I said, yeah, when I was five years old, God reserved this name for me. And now it is manifesting. Now, immediately we announced Accra Business School. I got professors from outside this country calling me, Charlie, you have gotten the right name for your school. You have gotten the right name. I don't know why it didn't occur to any of us. Top professors from top universities around the world. So sometimes God can even change the name of a business. And that is the beginning of the uplifting of you. May God give you a revelational name. I said, may God give you a revelational name. I speak, I said, may God give you a revelational name. I got a professor from Nigeria who wrote to me and said, he wants to do a second doctorate and he wants to do a crab business school. So in our communication, we, I discovered he was a pastor he came to Legon for a conference and visited me. The one he visited me, he said, do I know that I never thought that Accra Business School belongs to an individual? I thought Accra Business School should be owned by the state or by a group of people. Because Lagos Business School is actually owned by the Catholic Church, a group in the Catholic Church. But God can give you a name to beat off every competition. May that happen for you. In Jesus' name. Now, the seventh question, what is in your hand? What is in your hand? The seventh question, what is in your hand? Now, I, I would like you quickly to turn to Exodus chapter 4 from the verse 1 to 5. Exodus 4 from the verse 1 to 5. Then Moses said, what if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, the Lord has not appeared to you. The Lord said to Moses, what is that in your hand? And he said, a staff. Then he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and he became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. But the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand 
and grabs it by the tail. So he stretched out his hands and caught it, and it became a staff again. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of your of your of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Israel, has appeared to you. Now, one of the evidence of supernatural encounter with God is how God will use ordinary things around you to do supernatural things, to do extraordinary things. Moses was a shepherd. As a shepherd, he must have a staff. The staff was ordinary to drive the sheep, to gather the sheep, to give direction to the sheep. But then Moses now encounters God. And then Moses says, God, how would they believe that I saw you? You are sending me to a people to go and tell them that says the Lord. How would they believe that you sent me? Now God said, what is in your hands? Oh God, I have a staff. I use it to direct this thing. It's not even polished. It wasn't done with a, in the machine shop. I mean, I just picked it from somewhere and I've been using it to direct it. God said, okay, okay, no problems. Put it down. Put it down. He put it down and it became a serpent. But it's very instructive to note and I've been teaching you these things here. Now, when, when he fled and he came back, God said, pick it. But God said, pick it by the tail. God, that's the best way to lift a serpent so it doesn't bite you. Sometimes God does not to totally suspend natural laws. Like some of you think that because of you, God will suspend COVID so you won't put on marks. God could have told Moses, pick him up. After that big miracle, God still says, hey, you're a man, I'm God. Still pick him by the tail. Don't pick him by the head, it will bite you. If Moses had made a mistake, God would not have prevented a serpent from biting him. So even though God works miracles with us, he does not take away our personal responsibilities. Moses had to be responsible by the way he picked up the serpent. So there are a lot of ordinary things around us that God can use to do extraordinary things. But first, we need to have that encounter. We need to have that encounter with God. You need to, Moses saw God in a burning bush and God communicated with Moses. In most cases, your problem is not a job you are doing. Your problem is lack of encounter with God. So that God can take that ordinary job and still make you extraordinary. Are you here with me? I have seen people who are committed to God, women pray, who are prayerful. I grew up among women that will go to morning devotions, Nadabraka, and you see women in their 60s have gotten up and they have come for morning devotion. And these women sell tenke, they sell tomatoes, they, they sell things in the market. But these women have built houses. These women have put their children in universities. Some have children who are studying medicine. And through just ordinary sales of kenke. And it's not like it's a kenke factory. One dram of kenke sold for a day. And yet these women were doing more than people working in a bank. Because these were women who loved the Lord and had consistent fellowshipping with God and had had encounters with God. God takes away your sweat if you know how to weep before him. Because he will never allow two types of water to get out of your body. If you weep 
but through your eyes, he will wipe that sweat away. Sometimes, eh, we, we have labored and labored and have seen nothing. Like, like, like Peter. Lord, I worked hard all night and yet I have seen nothing. The Lord said, go back. He did not change the net. He did not change the position where he earlier cast his net. The same place, the same net, the same boat. But now, there's a supernatural instruction. A supernatural instruction. And so the result was different. You go around and listen to people who have made themselves business consultants and talking to you and telling you what to do. Listen to God. Learn how to listen to God. Learn how to pray. Learn how to have encounter with God. This same rod, Moses pointed on to the Nile, it became blood. This same rod, Moses hit the rock and water started coming from it. This same rod, he raised it over uh, the Red Sea and he parted. This same rod in a battle, he lifted it up and they were winning. This same ordinary rod. But when your natural encounters God's super, God's super, you walk in the supernatural. Desire not to be an ordinary Christian. Desire not to be, desire the supernatural. Don't stop listening to God's word because service has closed. Don't let Sunday just be the time you pray. You must have a desire, a strong desire to encounter God. That is what changes life. My testimony is an open book examination for all of you. It is my encounters with God that has brought me this far. Being a Christian is not, an, it's not a natural life. It's a supernatural life. It's a supernatural life. And that is why you must do the things that will make you supernatural. And that is why these three days fasting, use it to kickstart your supernatural life. Some of you, eh, your prayer life is virtually gone. Come around. You know when your battery is dead? The candle is an expert in that. When your battery is dead, you will go and take another, bring another car and bring it closer here in Judah. Then they will connect some wires. And they ask them, what are you doing? They say, oh, they are jump-starting the battery. This battery is dead, but there's power in this battery. It will come from here, enter into this battery, and they will jump-start it. Do the three days fasting and prayer to jump-start your prayer life. The reason why you pray amongst people and it is good is simple. It's because when you are praying amongst people, they challenge you to pray. You look at the sister's face and the way the sister is praying, you feel challenged. You, 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 are, back, you are going beyond backslide, backsliding if you sit in church and something supernatural is taking place and it does not affect you. Are you here with me? What is in your hands? God can change your life, change your story with that very ordinary thing in your hands. What about the story of the wife from the company of the prophets? What about that story? Who went to Elisha and said, my husband was a holy man, but he died in debt and his debtors have come to take his children. 
And Elisha asked him, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? Say, just a little, I have nothing, just a little oil. Elisha said, that is the thing. Supernatural power of God will convert that oil into cash for you. Go, carry, carry empty vessels, carry empty vessels. When I was, I was studying this, you know what the Lord said? The Lord said, son, son, I'm going to bring you a lot of empty vessels. He said, where there are empty vessels, my oil flows. You have to be an empty vessel for God to flow in you. They brought empty vessels and he kept filling them, kept filling them until the vessels got finished and the oil stopped flowing. I went to the man of God. I said, man of God, I've got several oil. The man of God, go sell them and keep the rest for yourself. Paid the debts and kept some for herself. So this woman was crying. The husband, the husband was a holy man of God, but had no understanding. Had no revelational understanding. You can be a good Christian without having revelational understanding. The man couldn't even know that the oil in that house, by a supernatural means, that oil can become cash. That is why you see, when a man of God gives you prophetic instruction, you must take it seriously. Because all the things God tells us to tell you will not make logical sense to you. But if we do them, you get results. Now the reason why many people can have a lot of things to say against the church and the body of Christ is because to the carnal mind, the things of God is foolishness. That's why you don't have to follow these guys on Facebook saying things about what, what pastors preach and the things we say and all those. To the carnal mind, the things we preach and say is foolishness. Somebody cannot understand. And they should explain. Somebody can understand that God can turn oil into cash. Jesus can turn water into wine. It's in the Bible. But if a pastor does it now, it becomes demonic. Are you here with me? Switch your gears now. Change your gears to the supernatural. And begin to walk in the supernatural. Are you here with me? The eighth question. The eighth question. This is a very, very, very profound question. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? This is God talking with Job. Job 38, 1 to 4. Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. You know how God can speak from storms. He said, so sometimes your, your answers come from the storms that you are going through. You just have to have faith to listen to what God is saying through the storms. You may be going through a lot of storms. Things are not going the way you should go. But here God spoke to Jonah, uh, Job through the storm. He said, who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Praise yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. <laughs> this is a serious thing. So God has taken Job through. It's a very serious trial. And Job is going through a lot of difficulties. And yet God comes to him and God says, You can't complain. You can't murmur. You can't do anything. Because where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? You didn't help me to lay the foundations of the earth. I did it alone. I did it myself. So why can't I solve this problem? 
Where were you when God was creating you? Can, can, can you think about that? Where were you when God was making you? How many of you, by worrying according to Jesus, can add an inch to your height or to your life? Can add a minute to your life? How many of you, by worrying? Sometimes God sits back there and God says, you don't know me. You don't know me. That's why this problem is worrying you. That's why you feel that depressed. You don't know me. But where were you when I was, I was creating the earth? Where were you? If I could do it, can't I do this for you? Is there anything so difficult for the Lord? Is there anything so difficult for the Lord? I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but there's somebody here. The program seems to have delayed. To have delayed, something seems to have derailed from from the tracks. You were moving, and something just happened, and you are confused. You are confused. God says, "When I laid the foundation, where were you? Can't I do with you what a porter does with a clay? Can't I break you, mold you, turn you around?" When you get to that point of anxiety and there is no faith anymore, you make errors that will take you a lifetime to correct. You will marry the wrong person. You will take the wrong job. You will befriend the wrong person. You will, as a result of panic, you will rush in making decisions. But if you know God, you will be still and know that the Lord is God. I, I used to I used to I used to be anxious when things are going so bad with my spiritual father's church and people are saying things and the man is calm. We are a group of young pastors, we go to the meeting and we want to urge him to do this and want to urge him to that, and the man is just calm and the man is just calm. And by the time we realize he has solved the problem. Then I grow up, become a spiritual father, and I see the same thing. What moves a lot of people does not move me. What brings fear to a lot of people does not bring fear to my heart. Because I know the God I'm serving. When he was laying the foundation of the earth, I was not there. When he was creating me, I was not there. He created me for a purpose. I belong to him. He decides what happens to me. So if things are going on in my life that I don't understand, I go back to him and say, Lord, I don't understand any of these things, but you made me. It's just like me one day asking my mother for something and my mother couldn't give it to me. And then I, I started crying when I was a child. I said, if you knew you wouldn't give me this, why did you give that to me? Why did you give that to me? Can you imagine? I mean, some of you, your children must have said that to you. You gave birth to me. Why did you give birth to me if you know that you can't take care of me? You shouldn't have given birth to me. You shouldn't have given birth to me. You've been there before, isn't it? Some of us, that's why we, we treat God. If you knew you couldn't take care of me, why did you create me? So, Father, why am I suffering like this? I've heard some Christians pray that prayer. Why am I suffering like this? Why am I going through all these things, God? Why, why am I suffering like this? Instead of saying, Lord, take everything. Take everything. All I want is you. Jesus, you. Okay, take a microphone and help me. Take everything. You must come to that point. Now, this demo is not for everybody. It's for somebody here. All I really want is you. Take everything. All I really want is you. 
there, you remember when we used to wake up with our money and instead of starving and asking God questions, we converted it into fasting and prayer. We could fast and pray and we, will not pray. we can't tell when we will break our fast. We just fast and pray, fast and pray, fast and pray. Every day we're fasting and praying, we're fasting and praying. We never question God, why are you making us suffer like this? Why? Because we know that God is always in charge. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? How dare you doubt me? How dare you question me? Where were you? The earth you are living on, the earth you are walking on, where were you when I laid the foundations? <laughs> what is even amazing is, <laughs> they say the earth is like, like football, eh? It's like football, and all of us are around it. Can you imagine? So there are some of us, we are hanging, that we don't fall. And the scientists say there's something called the force of gravity that is holding us. But we all know that the Bible says Jesus holds all things together. Christ holds all things together. The whole world is held together by Jesus. And your life, if you can hold the whole world together, why can't you hold your life together? He will. He can. And he must. He will hold that life together. All you need to do, be faithful. Know him. Draw closer to him. And be faithful to him. Get to know this God. Know him. Be closer to him. Walk with him. Understand him. He spoke to Job through the storm. Sometimes, eh, sometimes, sometimes the storm is the voice of God. Sometimes that financial storm is the voice of God. Sometimes that marital storm is the voice of God. God is telling you something, but you are so hurt, you are so angry, you are so bitter, but you can't hear from God. You just can't hear from him. I pray that God will give you that spiritual understanding that you can pick his voice from the storms, that you can understand the move of God, that you know that this is God, you know that this movement is God, and I'm not going to do anything to spoil it. I'm going to stay in it, I'm going to stay in it, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to follow that prophetic footstep. One of the young ladies who used to work here, who used to worship here, Went to UK with her friends after after university. There was this um, uh, work permit that they used to give to students. When she finished, she had some few months, so she left the country together with her friends. And suddenly, her friends were settling down, and her visa was expiring, and she didn't know what to do. And her company has called her that your visa will expire this time. If we don't get it renewed, we have to get you off. She was worried. She called me and said, "Listen, you are following the prophetic footstep." Don't worry. God will order your step. It will be well with you. Then she called me one day and said, Daddy, I have just been asked to come for a training and it is outside my city and everybody said I shouldn't go. I said, what is this training about? That she mentioned the training. I said, go. I said, but everybody said I shouldn't go. I said, I am telling you, go. I'm prophesying to you, go. She went for the training with the company. The company didn't take her. But before the training, the company had done security check on her background. And after the training, they awarded her certificate, but he didn't take care. Then the next time, 
she saw an advert and what they were looking for was that certification and the security check and she sent it she sends this thing to the company and the company rushes for her and they put her in the company after a while the company says, okay your visa is aspiring but you know we love, we love you we like the way you work here we are promoting you and uh we are putting an advert in the uh, in the papers go back to your country apply from there we will engage you he came back applied he engaged her she went now do you know all her friends who at that time had more uh, years left on their visas after their visas expired the students working visas expired they never got a chance to have them renewed she had come and has gotten uh, the uh, work, working permit entered the country working and now she's a big person working and i said i told you follow the prophetic footsteps listen if you know god's prophetic timetable for your life and it's prof- and you're following prophetic footsteps you don't rush may i pray for someone here that from from where you have found yourself and going through pain and confusion may i pray that may god reorder your steps into a prophetic footsteps in the name of jesus god is taking you back on track i'm speaking to someone here within the next 21 days some of you god will bring you back on track when you think that career is over it's not over it's just the beginning when you are assuming that, that that is the end of your life it is not the end of your life it's just the beginning if you are walking with god there is no end he is the alpha and the omega if it is with god there is no beginning and there is no end how you started you will not even remember it when you will end you cannot predict it but god he that begins a good work with you shall carry it to the end and shall accomplish it if you are hearing me say amen Look at this. Nine, nine, nine. Question nine. Son of man, can these bones live? Son of man, can these bones live? We all know the story in Ezekiel 37. Where, where. So let's read from verse 1 to 4. Let's read from verse 1 to 4. Ezekiel 37, verse from 1 to 4. The hand of the Lord was upon me. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. Bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Oh, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones. And say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now hear me. (laughs) You see, God... Sometimes God wants to show you how possible the impossible is. So he will, sometimes by his own hand, will take you and drop you in a valley of dry bones. You see, because... The, the people of the Bible believed at the time that if somebody died within the first day to the third day, the chances, the person had a chance to come back to life. They believed it. That was why when Lazarus died and Jesus got there on the fourth day, they had already taken him away. 
But by the fourth day, they believed that there was no way Lazarus could come back to life. He was finished. And they started thinking. But now, God didn't take the prophet to where there are fresh bodies. But took the prophet to a valley. Not even on a mountain top with fresh bodies. But into a valley. Already, the valley is a place of, of discomfort, a place of failure, a place of defeat, a place of oblivion. Like you are finished. And then he gets into the valley and sees dry bones. So from his understanding of their culture, these dry bones, they've gone beyond resurrection. They've gone beyond coming back to life. So God takes him into a place of hopelessness. A place of impossibilities that nothing can happen. And I know some of you are somewhere there. Some of you are somewhere there. You think that nothing is going to happen. At your age, how are you going to marry? At your age, how are you going to have children? At your age, who will employ you? When you have built your career to and you have lost your job, who will employ you again? You, know, you come to that point. You come to that point. I've been married for almost 30 years. No child. Where, where will I get children from? You come to that point. You are in the valley of dry bones. Now God now asks him, can these bones live? Now please, let me say, anytime a teacher is asking you a question, he already has the answers. He just wants you to be in alignment with him. Your teacher wants you to be in alignment with him. Mr. Henkra is one of the best lecturers at the, at the business school. He teaches leadership. So before you said the questions, you already know the answers. And students who pass your exams are those who are aligned with your question, your answers. So you, 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 there is a marking scheme you follow and then you give them instructions on how to answer. The ones they answer it the way you want it, they are in with you. That is the thing. So God doesn't ask you questions because he doesn't know the answers. But he wants you to provide an answer so that you can come in alignment with him. Then he can promote you. God cannot promote someone who has failed the test. So he calls this man and says, can these bones live again? And I believe that some of you are there. You are in that place of impossibilities. Where you think nothing good can come out of this situation. And that is the end of my life. You are there. That's the way you feel. That's the way you feel. You don't feel like praying anymore. You don't feel like doing anything anymore. You feel that is the end of your life. We have been there before. I can feel your pain. I understand your pain. I understand your frustration. I know what you are going through. But can these dry bones live again? That's what the Lord is asking you. Can these dry bones live again? That's what the Lord is asking you. The man of God said, God, only you, you are the only one who knows. Say, no, no, don't, don't tell me that. Say something. Now he said, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Until you take that degree and put it down and prophesy on this degree, you this degree, bring me a job. You carry it around, you never get a job. Are you here? Until you take that beautiful clothes of your son and put it down and begin to prophesy on it. That you will not be a weed smoker. I prophesy. You will be a great man of God. You will be a great uh, CEO. You will be a president. Until you prophesy on a dry bone, the dry bone will remain dry. Are you here? Do you understand what I'm teaching you? So, 
So you need to understand your prophetic capacity. And your prophetic capacity is your ability to confess God's word over a situation, over a hopeless situation. That's why you must study God's word. You must be able to take God's word that addresses that situation and take the word and prophesy that word and speak that word over that situation. You are sick in your body. The Bible says that you will not die, but you will live to declare the glory of the Lord. Prophesy on that situation. Take that body, look at your body and prophesy and say to that body, you will not die before your time. You are living to the glory of God. No sickness in this body can kill me. In the name of Jesus, by his stripes, I'm healed and I'm totally healed. I feel healed. I know I'm healed. But the doctors will tell you, even the doctors will tell you, if somebody has five years chance to live and you tell the person, the person might die in one year. Because once negativity enters into you, you begin to show in your body. But if you tell the person, oh, you will live, the sickness will not kill you, you will live, the sickness will not kill you. The person is likely to go beyond the five years. The power of positive thinking. In, in, Christian, in Christianity, we don't call it positive thinking. We call it faith. The God which causes those things will be not as if they were. You must call them into existence. What you are looking for, you must call it into existence. You must believe it. But you cannot call it from an empty spiritual capacity. You must have a prophetic capacity. And for, you see, there's a prophet that is called into an office of a prophet. That God releases um, Rema into him. But for you, the believer, you must upload the logo. And then the logo becomes a Rema. And then you speak that Rema as a prophetic word. In other words, you must study God's word. And God's word gets into you. And God's, now God begins to interpret. Okay, now, now let me explain it this way to you. Do you know why you understand what I'm saying? I'm speaking English. Because you went to school and they taught you A, B, C, D. I think 26 alphabet. They taught you. 26, 27, 26. After they've taught you 26 alphabets. And I started joining them in two. And it is. Then from there, they move to three letter words. Try, cry, you know, those things. From there to four letter words. As they were doing this, they were in programming you. They were putting in you something. Finally, you understood English, started speaking English. So where does your English come from? It comes from the inside of you. But it was put in your inside. It's the same thing God's word is. As you hear God's word, and you hear God's word, and you hear God's word, once English is established in your soul, God's word is established in your spirit. Are you here? And whatever comes from the spirit is stronger. So as you study God's word, and you study God's word, and you study God's word, you can look at the dry bone situation and prophesy on that dry bone by quoting the word of God that is stored in your spirit. Are you here? Are you here? Every problem, if you are, you, are, you are a student of God's word, every problem you confront, a word of God is triggered and provides solution. Your, your problem is still hanging around because you lack a prophetic word. A prophetic word that comes from the inside of you. It is stronger than what a prophet will tell you. Go back to the basis. Go back and study the word again. Go back. 
and prophesy on your life. Now, verse 7 of the same chapter. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise. A rattling noise. A rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tenders and flesh appeared on them. And skin covered them. And there was no breath in them. Was from here, then I breathed. And <laughs> hey, let, let me tell you something. Can I, can I see verse 8 on verse, uh, verse 9? Verse 9 on the screen. Can you guys help me with that? Can I see verse 9? <laughs> okay, okay. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. And say to it, this is what the, Lord, the sovereign Lord, the Lord says. Now he's quoting God's word. Come from the four winds. O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. Ten. So I prophesied as I as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet. A vast army. A vast army. You can build something big out of nothing. If you know how to prophesy. That situation is not over. That marriage is not over. That business is not over. That career is not over. That spiritual life is not over. Just begin to study God's word. Just begin to have connection with him. Just begin to be closer to him. Walk in purity and in holiness. And something will trigger. Something will trigger from the inside of you. Something will trigger from the inside of you. Can I tell you something? You are stronger inside than on the outside. Uh, uh, uh. Are you here? You are stronger inside than on the outside. So build the inner man. The inner man. The inner man. Build that inner man. When that inner man is strong, even sickness will fall off your body. When that inner man is strong, diseases will go off your body. When that inner man is strong, the doors that are closed will be opened for you. When Antibaki used to work in one place, the castor, the castor. And I used to go and look for her. I will fill forms. I will write this. I will write that. Oh, my own church member. She used to work then. The presidential palace in Ghana was called the castle. Then levels changed. The inner man became stronger and more powerful. Stronger and more powerful. Now, when I'm going there, Course will be made at the gate. Bishop Titi Affair is coming. Boom, I'm inside. Levels change if the inner man becomes stronger. Listen, everybody has an outer man. Some people's outer man are more pleasant than you, some people's outer man are more decent than you, some people's souls are more intelligent than you. But where you beat them is from the inner man. If your inner man is stronger, you have an added advantage. That is all. You have an added advantage. If your inner man is stronger, you have an added advantage. And God will do it for you. I see that happening. Somebody rise up and prophesy to something in your life. Hey, Balabashaya. Prophesy to something that in that life. Prophesy, speak on a dry bone. It's coming back to life. It's coming back to life. It is not over. It's not over. In Jesus' name.